Turn your Bibles tonight, please, to the I was reading and studying the tabernacle. I love to go through the Bible and look up types and figures that uh, speaks of my Savior the Lord. And so if you'll turn to Exodus chapter 25, I'd like to share some things there with you tonight. Exodus 25, I'm beginning to read in verse 10. we got an old Schofield Bible. It's page 101. Hurry up and find it. If you ain't got one, sit on yours and I'll give you one. <laughs> ain't nothing like having an old Schofield Bible in your hands to read and study by. Exodus chapter 25, verse 10. And they shall make an ark of cedar wood. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Within and without shalt thou overlay it, and shalt make on it a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it, and put them in the four corners thereof. And two rings shall be in the one side of it, and two rings in the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of cedar wood, and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put the staves into the rings of the side by the sides of the ark, that the ark may be borne with them. The staves shall be in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. And thou shalt put in the ark the testimony which I shall give thee. And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold, of beaten work shall thou make them in the two side ends of the mercy seat, and make one cherubim on the one end, and the other cherubim on the other end, even of the mercy seat. Shall you make the cherubims on the two ends thereof? And the cherubim shall stretch from forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look one to another, Towards the mercy seat shall thy, the faces of the cherubim be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. And there I will make a meet with thee, and will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony, of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, as we come to you tonight, Lord, we we thank you, your precious word, and how true it is, and how men today mishandle it, and misquote it, and misjudge it, and say all kind of things about it, Lord, that contradicts its stuff and makes mistakes in it. And Father, we know that that's not true. And when you open our eyes by the Holy Spirit, begin to read and study all of it, it all comes clear to us. So I ask you, dear God, that you'll bless us tonight as we study that word together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now notice, first of all, the materials the ark is made of. Gold and cinnamon wood. God speaks of Jesus' divine nature. He is God in the flesh. Uh, gold, I mean, speaks of his divine nature. Cinnamon wood 
speaks of Jesus' human nature. He was as much man as he was God. Cypress wood never decays, and that's what cinnamon wood is. Secondly, notice the ark's dimension. Numbers in the Bible are very important. When you're studying the Bible and start talking about numbers, you ought to look them up, put them together, because they're very important. Now notice numbers. Each number has a special meaning. The ark was two and a half cubits in length, one and one half cubits in breadth, one and one half cubits in height, four feet long, about two and a half feet wide, but two and a half feet high. The word half you here comes from the Hebrew word, which means cut in two. It speaks of the knowledge of Christ given to us now and at, the age, at this age. 1 Corinthians 13, 9 says, For now, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. And what I have found, the best Bible scholars are the first to say with the Queen of Sheba in 1 Kings 10, verse 6 and 7. And she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of the acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit, I believe not the words, until I came and mine eyes have seen it, and behold, a half was not told me. Thy wisdom and pro- prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Now I know that the queen was talking about Solomon here. But 1 Corinthians 13, 9, Paul was talking about Christ when he said almost the very same thing. So when it comes to understanding the wisdom and the grace and the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, man's little finite mind just can't see it and they can't understand it. They only get about half of it right. Now, thirdly, two and a half is half of five. One and a half is half of three. Three is the number of manifestation in the Bible. For instance, three is the number of the resurrection. And only when we are resurrected will we fully know all things, and all things then will be manifested and made known to us. Three is the number of deity. God is fully manifested and made known to us in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Then notice the width and height of the ark. Width and height both have to do with the display of an object. The width and height of the ark were both half of three. And remember now that the ark speaks of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the three is a number of manifestation. So this speaks of Christ Jesus coming to earth at his birth, and he would not fully uh, make himself known unto man, and he did not. If Jesus had fully made known to man who he was when his first coming, the Bible says in Acts chapter 9 that they would have been blinded by his glory. Uh, Or men like Revelation 1 in verse 7 said that they'd fall at Jesus' feet as dead men. So Jesus could not make himself known as who he really was when he first came. I think God one of these days, oh, we will know him face to face. Amen. But we'll have a glorified body at that time, and and we'll be ready for that. But not at this time. Fifthly, the number five. The number five is the Bible stands for grace. In the Bible stands for grace. The length of the ark speaks of the span of God's grace in Christ Jesus. And that span of grace is eternal. It never ends. God's span of grace is before the foundation of the world was ever formed, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. 
unto the endless age yet to come, which all saved people wait for, Ephesians 2, verse 17. Six, the ark measured the same in height as it did in width. Now the breadth speaks of Christ dealing with man. The height speaks about Christ's relation to God. And so uh, notice the ark's content. Now here's where great controversy comes in. Uh, Bible scholars will read this, and I've heard people uh, ever since I've been saved trying to say that the Bible has mistakes in it and contradiction in it, but it don't. And I'll show you something. Here's one of the verses that try to prove that there's errors in the Bible. Now, everyone who tries to prove the Bible has errors in it is only shows how simple-minded and how unlearned they are, not the Bible. In Exodus 25, verse 16, and verse 21, only one thing is in, the, in that ark at that time. That's the testimony. But in Hebrew, chapter 9, and verse 4, which had the golden censer, Hebrews chapter 9, and verse 4 says, the ark had in it uh, the golden censer, uh, and the ark of the covenant, overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. Now, that's not a contradiction. In 1 Kings 8 and verse 9, there was nothing in the ark save the two tables of stone which Moses put there at Horeb. And when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. But in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 4, is speaking of the time period, the ark was lodged in the tabernacle. And so that's two different periods of time and it's progressive time. In 1 Kings 8 verse 9 is speaking of this contents after it came to rest in the temple. One was in the tabernacle, the other was in the temple. So there is no contradiction in Scripture. The three articles in the ark in the tabernacle speaks of God's provision in Christ as the children of Israel journeyed uh, through the wilderness. The manna was the food God gave them at the as they travel from the bondage of Egypt into the promised land. Now, which was a type or foreshadow of Jesus as the bread of life, the food of the pilgrim believers traveling through the world to heaven. That's you and I. Today, Jesus is our bread of life. We're traveling through here. It's not our home. We're traveling to our home. And he's our manna from heaven today, a bread of life today. The golden pot... This was included with the manna. So there's still a uh, number. Exodus chapter 16 and verse 3 says, Take a pot, put an omer full of manna therein, and lay it up before the testimony to be kept. But Hebrews 9 and verse 4 says, A golden pot. So in the Old Testament, they speak of the Messiah Christ as the promised seed of Abraham and David, human being, that's the pot. In the New Testament, a golden pot speaks of deity. The Messiah that was promised came from God, His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus. He's not just man, He's the God-man. Amen? The New Testament, uh, the golden pot speaks of deity. And notice something now. The second thing in the ark, Aaron's rod did but it. In number 16 is an account of the revolt against Moses and Aaron, headed by Korah. And because of jealousy at the authority 
God had given Moses and Aaron. It's just like today. Uh, God calls men to preach, and people get jealous. Of it. Well, you can—you're uh, no special person, and uh, we're just—we know much of the Bible as you do, and we can preach just as good as you do. But God does the calling, and that's what the part was. <laughs> Judgment from God fell on God, uh, fell on from God on those who revolted in, to vindicate the authority of Aaron as high priest. Now, the Lord told Moses to take twelve rods, one for each tribe of Israel, writing Aaron's name on the rod of the tribe of Levi. These rods were laid up before the ark. The one that would be made to blossom would be the one which God chose to be the priestly tribe. <coughs> Next morning, it was Aaron's rod that budded and blossomed and yielded almonds. After this, God ordered Moses to bring Aaron's rod before the testimony to be kept for a token against the rebels. The whole issue raised from by Korah was the priestly ministry and the tribal rods were symbols of authority. These rods would be laid before the Lord to, the Lord to show the matter of high priest was God chosen, not man. And I say this to people all the time. I know a lot of uh, young men that their daddy and mother calls them to preach and God doesn't. And it never turns out right. And we need to understand that God does the calling, buddy. And when you understand that, then God's in authority. God gets the glory for it. And isn't it always strange to you the different type of people and the walks of life that God calls to preach and to minister to His people? It's never who we think. And God uses strange things, the Bible says, to get His job done. <laughs> that might not be funny to you, but that's funny to me because I stand in front of the mirror once in a while. <laughs> And I look at myself and I say, and you know, you're just something else. Because I don't understand it. I really don't. I don't understand my talk and my lingo and my, my knowledge and everything about me. And yet, I have been so blessed of God over the years. And, and you know what that causes you to do? You have to step back and say, praise the Lord. Because He's the one that does the calling. Now, the rods... All of them were lifeless until they were laid up before the testimony unseen by the eye of man. Then the power of God came, the dead was made alive, the resurrection of life and fruit appeared. Now, uh, you just think about that for just a minute. Out of sight of man. This all speaks uh, or points to Israel rebellion against God, uh, who Moses and Aaron prefigured. Moses... The prophet proclaimed the truth of God. Aaron, the priest, expressed God's grace. I never will forget it here. No brother Hall said he saw two men. He was given the illustration. He said, Yonder comes two men. Here comes God's lawyer, and here comes God's preacher. He said, Moses was God's lawyer, and the uh, law, and Aaron was God's preacher. And man, he preached a sermon. I never will forget that sermon. But uh, Moses, uh, the prophet, proclaimed the truth of God. Aaron, the priest, expressed God's grace. Both were hated without a cause, which were a type of the hatred and rejection of Christ. God the Father fully vindicated His Son 
by raising him from the dead. You know one of the reasons that I know Jesus is God in the flesh? Because he came out of that grave himself. He came out, he raised himself from the dead. Amen? No man can do that but God. And so he vindicated himself. Moses in her tabernacle on the next day, and after Numbers chapter 17 and verse 8, and notice this was evidence of God's resurrection. Uh, a, a dead rod now bears fruit. Uh, alive, resurrected. Numbers 17 and verse 9, Moses brings the rods and shows them to the people. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6, tells of many people who saw Christ after His resurrection. The rod laid up before the Lord is a picture of Christ now hidden at the right hand of God in the heavens uh, by God the Father. Number 17, the Lord said unto Moses, Bring Aaron's rod again before the, the testimony to be kept for a token against the rebels, and thou shalt uh, quite take away their murmurs from me uh, that they die not. This is the priestly ministry of Aaron's preserving God's people before him which they were passing through while they were passing through the wilderness. This speaks of Christ's own priesthood before God the Father interceding for us daily according to Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. God provides for us in Christ Jesus a lawyer. My, the devil accuses us before the Lord every day. But we have a lawyer before the Heavenly Father. And just as Aaron's rod budded bare almond and stood as a testimony of the resurrection, the new Christ, person in Christ Jesus, I'm a sinner saved by God's grace. You are a sinner saved by God's grace. We all make mistakes. The devil accuses us before the Heavenly Father every day of our life. But my Savior, seated on the right hand of God the Father, my lawyer, intercedes for me, and His resurrection tells He's God in the Father, and He has authority to forgive me. Amen? And He will do it. And so, uh, food to strengthen, that's the manna. Priestly grace to keep us going. Amen? That's the rod uh, that buddy. And so those two things. Now, the third thing in the ark was the two tables of stone. The Ten Commandments were written by the finger of God. Now remember, in Exodus 32, Moses broke the first set of stones the law of God were written on, showing by this act that fallen man was unable to keep uh, God's law. You ever think about that? We think about the children sinning. God coming down out off the mountain. He's holding these stones written by the finger of God, the law of God written on them. And we get the idea that uh, Moses got mad because of their sin and threw them down and broke them. And he's thinking, no, he didn't. It was a testimony. And by him breaking those stones, he was telling, no man can keep the law. We're all sinners, saved by God's grace. Now watch this. God's law cannot be done away with, though. Neither will God change His uh, requirements for righteousness. God wrote them again in Deuteronomy 10, verses 1 and 2. And the second set of stones were put in the ark, and they'll be everlasting. I believe this with all my soul. Wood speaks of man. 
Now listen, gold speaks of deity. Notice here now, there's no mention of the overlayment of gold or the cherubims of glory on its cover. This simply tells us the law which fallen man had broken was to be preserved intact by the perfect man, Christ Jesus. Isaiah 42, verse 21, speaking of Jesus, The Lord is well pleased for His righteousness' sake. He which uh, will mightily magnify the law and made it uh, honorable. Psalms 40, verse 7 and 8, again, speaking of Jesus. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do the will of my God, yea, thy law is written within my heart. Isaiah 145, uh, 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 Isaiah chapter 1, uh, 45, verse 24, uh, In the Lord have I righteousness. Jeremiah 23, verse 6, The Lord, our righteousness. Now, I want to finish by this, and I want you to think about it just a minute. The ark is a type of Christ. The broken law proves we cannot keep God's law. But by God's grace, He placed His law in the golden ark, type of Christ, unbroken. In Jesus is the law perfected. God demands for righteousness does not change. So Jesus paid the price of our breaking God's law, the death on the cross, His death on the cross. But if we get in Christ Jesus by faith, the law of God is perfected, kept whole in His Son, and we are made righteous in Him by His shed blood, which the overshadowing of the cherubims demanded sprinkling of blood. God's grace is sufficient for you and I. It's everlasting kept. Amen? Now, here's the whole truth of it. Did you know in heaven, I believe the blood of Jesus Christ is preserved in heaven. I believe the Savior is in heaven. And nothing can touch Him. Just like in that ark, no man was to touch that ark. And it was proven two men touched that ark and they died. And uh, you'll find uh, that David was trying to move that ark and they had forgotten the word of God and how to move the ark. And some of them put it on a cart and tried to move it and so on. It, it rickety a bit and they tried to stay it. And everybody said, well, that was unfair for God to kill them. No, they broke God's law. And when you break God's law, it causes death, the Bible says. And so uh, David went back and he got the book. He got the Bible out and found out exactly how you're supposed to carry that thing. And it stays was never taken out of that ark. They was always in the sides of it. And they were to be carried on the shoulders of the Levites, of the tribe. And so that speaks of God's grace. And what I'm trying to say is the law of God was kept in that ark. And it will always be kept. Here's the whole thing. You can't change God's law. You can mess with this book all you want to, brother, but it's laid up in heaven. God's Word is everlasting. You can't change it. The only thing you can do is obey it. And when you read the types and figures it's taught by this uh, ark and, and what it's made out of, and it, all, it, all it talks about is things that are everlasting. So God's laws are everlasting. 
Now, I go through the Bible, and you know, I was reading the other day, and I said, my goodness, Lord, I've done that. And he said, that brings forth death. If you do this, you need to be stoned to death. To death. And I read a little bit longer, and I find, oh my, I'm out of doing that. You need to be stoned to death. I said, my goodness, I have no hope then. You know, I kept reading all these things, you ought to be dead. And by the law, I should be dead. But Christ fulfilled the law. He paid for all the things that the law demands that I should be dead for. I'm alive in Christ Jesus, and I will be forevermore. That's the preserved laws of God. Amen? Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful tonight for Your grace, and it's sufficient for anyone and any place. And the wonderful truth about preaching and witnessing for You is that You can save anybody. What a joy it is to see souls saved, lives changed, and made known, Lord, that we'll never go to that place called hell. We'll go to heaven because the law and the blood and our Savior is preserved forever. Bless your people tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing something, please, sir. As soon as we get done messing around.